You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State Buckeyes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You know what time it is, Beam. It's time to drop the beat. There it is. Right well, there. Yes. Welcome into the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Matt Hayes, Brandon B. from 97.1, the fan in Columbus, Ohio, with you Monday through Friday, talking all things Ohio State football, college mm-hmm. football, Big mm-hmm. Ten. This is where you need to be Monday through Friday. Double B, B squared. What's good, my man? Matty, not a whole lot, man. We're uh, rebounding from the weekend. We're, uh, we're heading towards home to another huge college football uh, weekend. There's some uh, stuff going on. Uh, with the hurricane that's postponing a lot of games, yeah. Hurricane Florence making its way towards the Carolinas. Hopefully, everything down there uh, gets away unscathed or with you know minor damage. Uh, so, hoping and everything is uh, going to be all good down there for the weekend. But no, man, we're uh, bouncing back from a football weekend. I told you, um, you know, on Monday, I was absolutely devastated as uh, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Yep. So that Sunday night was absolutely brutal. It took me two days to get over it. But you know what? The Bears are back practicing today. It's Wednesday. We're all good now. All right. It took me two um, days. Takes me 48 hours. I get over the loss. <laughs> Back to practice on Wednesday. Let's do it. I'm glad you're feeling good. Look, my team is the Ravens. We get going on Thursday. And look, we can't lose to the Bengals. This is a divisional win that we got to have out of the gate because I don't want to feel like you because I saw you all can hear Monday. Oh, man. You weren't looking good. Eyes all bloodshot. It looks like you just hadn't taken a shower since Sunday night. I mean, it's rough. And when Aaron Rodgers does what he does to you, I totally understand that. So today, what we're going to do is take a little broader strokes um, of what Ohio State, where they are in the national landscape versus some of the top teams. We will let you know there's some big injuries going on in the Big Ten. Also, with some top five teams, we'll let you know how we think that's going to affect things in college football. And then our last block today, we'll let you hear from some of the Ohio State players as they spoke to the Mm -hmm. media yesterday. So, let's get right into this thing because the new AP poll has obviously been released since, since Saturday. And the top five now looks like Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Oklahoma rounding out the top five. Beamer, I want to ask you right now, after seeing two games, Rutgers, Oregon State, Ohio State just blowing them out of the shoe, do you think Ohio State is on par with the Alabama, Clemsons, and Georgias of the world right now? Yeah, absolutely I do, because you look at the first two games, and this is always, I'm going to say the same thing until we learn more, at the TCU game on Saturday, Maddie, is that you have to play the competition in front of you, and you pass the test for your first two weeks. That's you have it. the 77-31 to 31 blowout of Oregon State, then you come back home, you face Rutgers, you win 52-3, to three. it's the first time they scored points on you in two years. So yeah, I, I, I'm looking at this team, and you know that every single year, Bama and Clemson... Those are, you know, the, the the top two. Those are the stables right now. When you look at the, you know, the past three years in college football, those are your guys. Ohio State, obviously, uh, winning that inaugural 2014 college football playoff final uh, against Oregon. But the way that I look at it is that every year is a reset. Mm-hmm. And we go into the season and we kind of know with players returning and what coaches are and what their systems are and their philosophy when you have a team who recruits as well as Alabama and a Clemson. And I think that, yeah, you have to look at it that way, that Ohio State through the first two games of the season, absolutely they're on par with it. Alabama, all right, fine, you played Louisville in the first week, fine game on on Saturday, they're 2-0. Uh, I they just played tell, Arkansas State. Exactly. So I just tell you that when I look at Clemson, I know that their defensive line 
is absolutely nasty. You yep. want to talk about 1A and 1B. It's Ohio State defensive line. It's Clemson defensive no line. Whichever one you want to put at 1A and 1B would be absolutely fine. Those are the two biggest wrecking balls in college football when you look at defensive lines. But the thing about Clemson, they had Texas A&M in a body bag early in the fourth quarter. And they let Texas A&M crawl back into the game. And A&M had to shot to force that thing into overtime. One of the wackiest college football games I've seen. You had the obvious turnover on the pylon. Did he fumble it out of the end zone? Did it go through? Is it a touchback? Was he out at the one-yard line? Clemson gets the ball back. They get stuffed. Texas A&M goes right back down the field and scores another touchdown. They had a two-point conversion to be able to tie the game and send it into overtime. So when you ask me that question, is Ohio State on the level this year of Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia – I say absolutely they are. Yeah, no, I I agree 100% with you. And you brought up Clemson. I think that's a very interesting thing because you and I have been talking about, you know, what we saw and Tate Martell coming into the game relatively early when the game was only 21 to nothing. You and I thought that was a bit uh, of a surprise. And down in Clemson, what Dabo's doing with Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence is on a whole nother level because Trevor Lawrence from game one played, I believe, when it was 13 to nothing in Clemson's first game. And then we see him in Texas A&M, and I didn't know how much he was going to play. You're talking about 100,000 people down there, the 12th man of Texas A&M. Top five loudest stadium it's in the rocking. country. It's absolutely rocking. Yeah. And you could tell right away the impact Jimbo Fisher had on that team. I mean, they're going to be a program moving forward that you really got to deal with. But just getting back to the quarterback uh, controversy, because I, I think it is a bit of a controversy when you're talking about Trevor Lawrence versus Kelly Bryant. It's not what we're dealing here with here with Dwayne and Tate. I think for sure. You don't sure, have a one and two. Exactly. Yeah. There's no 1A. They have a 1A, 1B. Yeah. Here at Ohio State, it's a 1 and a 2. And Tate, he's going to have his time, no doubt about it, but Dwayne is the dude. And because of what Kelly Bryant did late in the season, the college football playoff, he wasn't great. He didn't finish the year great. And you got this big, talented young guy in Trevor Lawrence coming in, who, Bean, has looked pretty good. That's going to be something to monitor. But the fact that Dabble played him in a huge game, to me, tells me that this is not going away no. at all. And this isn't like the Alabama thing where you can you can tell. Tua's the dude. Tua is the he's dude. He's that man. Jalen Hurts, he's solid. Mama, there goes that man. That's him. He's that the is, guy. That is him. But when Jalen Hurts is in the game, it's a completely total – it's a totally different offense. It's not the same offense. Tua stretches the field. And honestly – I can't remember the last Alabama quarterback that really stretched the field with his arm. They were always, hey, we're stronger than you at the line of scrimmage. Our running backs are absolute dogs. You can put as many men as you want in the box. We're going to absolutely destroy you. Now with Tua, you got to back the heck off, because, and it's exactly what Ohio State's dealing with because of his arm talent. So I just think it's very interesting, Beam, with the Clemson situation versus Ohio State because I think now some people are starting to buy into the, well, maybe Tate's going to play more throughout no. the year. I don't think that's going to be the case. When the games get tight, it's going to be Dwayne with Clemson. I think it's going to be a two-man show the rest of the way. Yeah, I just, you know, when you look at Clemson and it shows you maybe that Nick Saban broke college football last year and what he did in the national championship game. Because always you've had, let's just stick it out. Let's ride with a guy. This is a guy. Uh, and Jalen Hurts, who you know had only lost what one game, two games, star- twenty six yeah. and two. All right, that so he he lost yep. two games as a starter for Alabama, and you have the gall to do that in the second half of a college football playoff game against your SEC rival in Georgia, and you ended up coming back, winning the game. So my wa- my wondering is that if Nick Saban doing that is allowing for college football programs to now run these two quarterback sets, and I know it's been a long time where we've seen teams do that. We've yeah. we've seen Urban Meyer, when they won the national championship their first time down in Florida, you did it with Chris Leak, you did it with Tim Tebow. Yep. But at the same time, you have 
like though it seemed a while ago when you were inserting these two different quarterback sets that you're inserting them to run certain play calls. Yeah. But you look down at Clemson, Maddie. Mm-hmm. Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence are running the exact same, same offense. It's just which dude is going to be That's it. better at running that offense. Right. And I think Nick Saban enabled college programs to do that because this year, if there comes a time, let's say, you know, like an Iowa situation last year that unfolded for Ohio State yeah. at Kinnick Stadium, there would be no doubt in my mind if JT Barrett had another year and JT was still playing at Ohio State and you're down big in that game, you have to throw Dwayne Haskins into the game. I and agree. I think Nick Saban doing that last year in the college football final has enabled college coaches to say, we've got dudes on our team. Saban did it and paid off, right. and he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. Right. Let's do it too. Yeah, you can't worry about hurting feelings. That's the one thing that you can't worry about as a head coach running this thing. And also, Beam, I think a part of this is recruiting, the recruiting aspect of this. If I'm a recruit at home and I see that regardless of what position I play, that I'm going to have a chance to play if I'm a dog, then Love it. I'm a head coach. I'm going to sprinkle in some of these guys, especially now with this new redshirt rule to where these guys, these two freshmen, can play four games and still get their redshirt for the next year. Absolutely. So I really think what Dabo's doing and what you mentioned last year with Saban, we may see more of this moving forward. Now, could that create controversy inside of a locker room? Absolutely. Of course it can, but that's stuff that you have to manage and that's why as these, a head coach. These coaches get paid $7, $8 million exactly. a year that's exactly to make why. those decisions yep. and make sure that you don't have a mutiny aboard your ship. No doubt. That's a great point. And to answer my own question about the Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, do I think Ohio State's on the same uh, playing field as them? Absolutely, I do. And regardless of opponent, I just think we know how well they recruit beam. We've seen them come out and absolutely demolish two teams, and that's what I want to see. They're taking care of business. Right now, beam and total yards leaders in college football, Ohio State is ranked fourth. Yeah, that's pretty good. That is really good right now. So you're talking about the other teams. You've got Oklahoma at 18. you got Alabama at 21. So right now, this Ohio State offense is clicking almost better than any other team that really matters because at the top you're talking about Hawaii Colorado State Oklahoma okay. State I don't see Clemson until 40th so right now this Ohio State offense is absolutely they're booming rolling man. so I don't expect this thing to change of course they'll get into some tough games where they'll get some resistance every once in a while beam but right now Ohio State you could easily see them and I would have no problem with claiming them as the best team in the country sure Alabama Clemson Georgia they're getting more of the respect because of how they finished their year of last year but right now Ohio State to me is a clear top five team in, in the country they could easily be number one yeah no doubt no doubt about it when you look at it on what what the teams have done on paper this year and that's what we like to do you know during college football we'd like to roll over what the teams did last year right. look at Bama look what they're bringing back look at Clemson they got this freshman quarterback who's going to be out there you know when you look at Georgia well Jake Fromm's still throwing that sucker around and so it's just to me where you look at Ohio State and you do a true power rank they haven't given you any reason to drop in the poll, no, all right? Wisconsin yeah, no. dropped in the poll. They gave you a reason. They're down in the first quarter, right. all right? To I believe New Mexico, who they were playing, they were down in the first quarter. They're trailing. Jonathan Taylor ended up just going nutso in that game. Yeah, he's a but, yeah, there hasn't been one single misstep None. from Ohio State this year. And I know we're early on in the season. Like I said yesterday, you're going to get some of those screws that are going to start to turn once the actual Big Ten season gets here. Week number five rolls around. you got Penn State. you got to go into whiteout conditions in yeah. Happy Valley. But right now, no foot has been stuck been stepped wrong for Ohio no. State, and they're absolutely in the consideration for top five, top four, top three. Wherever you wanted to put them in there, right. I could see an argument for exactly where you put them in the top five. Either way, I'm good, no doubt about it. Hey, we got to hit, hit a quick break here. I want to let you know about our guys from my book. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually, 
It's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to go check out my bookie. Remember, when you're betting on, is it, is it just important as who you're betting with? That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They are your best bet this season. So definitely check out my bookie. We're going to take a quick break here, talk a little bit more about the top uh, 25 teams in the AP, what the Big Ten look what is looking like in the rankings, and also hit on some of these injuries that we think can have an impact uh, moving forward in the college football season. This is Locked On Buckeyes, your team every day. So, Beam, looking at the rest of the AP Top 25, when we get out of the top five, you got Wisconsin sitting there at six, Auburn at seven, Notre Dame at eight, Stanford at nine, and Washington at ten. So, moving down uh, throughout the Top 25, the rest of the Big Ten teams, you see Penn State, I'm looking at, is right here at 11. I'm looking at Michigan at 19, and Sparty's coming in at uh, 25. Of all of these teams, the Big Ten teams, Beam, which one are you worried about the most after two weeks? Because for me, before you answer that, I'm in gonna... a good way, as as far as being concerned with on the schedule for Ohio State, or most concerned with their that season, they may throw a clunker with that with their season moving forward. I think I'm worried about Michigan State because you return so many guys. Beam, you got your starting quarterback back. You got Scott back there at running back. I heard Greg McElroy and Dave Pash before the game was starting uh, out at Arizona State, and granted, it was 109 degrees out there, so. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to give him any pass because sure. you should be able to train your body and you should be able to hydrate as much as you can. But I heard those two guys talking about how Greg McElroy was head and shoulders above the quarterback class in the Big Ten this year and how he was the best quarterback. Now, if Lewerke? that's Lewerke, if that's true, okay, you I, need to win that damn football game. Of course game. you do. Of course you do, especially with a new head coach down there who necessarily hasn't established what he wants to do. Now, sure, Scott Graham was running that program. I'm sure there's still some good recruits there. But with all the guys that you returned, there's no doubt about it. You need to win that game, especially after laying a clunker at the crib against Utah State. I mean, I'm it's really, worrisome, man. It, it is really worrisome because of everything we laid out. And now you talk about Michigan. They bounced back a little bit. I still don't know if they're going to have a high-flying offense. Shea Patterson, the verdict's still out for me on him. I, I don't know what exactly you're getting from them because of Harbaugh's style of play calling. I mean, you've watched the games. You're talking double tight end, fullbacks, all this stuff. It's that NFL we, sets. And really, that stuff really doesn't work anymore. I mean, you got to spread people out, use the field, because we know the passing game is a killer now, and everything is catered to these guys in the passing game with the receivers. So for me, if I had to rank the teams that I'm worried about in the top 25 that reside in the Big Ten, Sparty won for me, that team up north too, and then I'm rolling with Penn State because what they did in the second half against Pitt, uh, Pitt in the slot fest was impressive. Yeah, I think my, you know, I'm not too worried about Penn State, but I am. Uh, you know, I would be extremely worried if you are a Michigan State Spartan fan and if you're a Michigan Wolverine fan today because you got beat, if you're Michigan, you got beat on the road in a tough environment, <coughs> excuse me, in a tough environment against Notre Dame in South Bend. One of the holy grails of college football. I understand first game of the year that's going to be tough to go in. Shea Patterson, there's a lot to ask there because he's got a lot of hype surrounding him. You go out and you beat Western Michigan this week, but Notre Dame Mm -hmm. against Ball State struggled. And that, for me, is a huge concern because we come into the first week of college football, Maddie. We don't know what teams are until they take the field. We can have a good idea and we can project what they're going to be and say, listen, you know, Shea Patterson should be this good quarterback. Look what he did down in the SEC. Look what he did with Ole Miss. Look at his throwing mechanics. Look at the guys he has to throw to. All right, you got Donovan Peoples-Jones up here at Michigan. Uh, You should be fine. 
But until you actually play a game, we have no idea what the interior of your mind and your heart is. And I know that Michigan went out and just pasted Western Michigan this week, but the fact that they lost to Notre Dame and Notre Dame had a clunker against Ball State. Now, you're afforded a clunker. You're afforded a tough, gritty win. But that, for me, shows me... Yeah, it matters. It matters now. It matters, right? Because Notre Dame looked like absolute crap. They did. I mean, Wimbush threw three picks against the Ball State team, okay? This is a big... I'm with you on this. I can't sit here and pat Michigan on the back because of what they did against the Western Michigan team, a team you're supposed to wipe the floor with when you're a Power 5 team like Michigan. My thing moving forward is... How is this offense going to evolve? Because if Harbaugh is going to continue to be hard-headed beam, they're going to continue to run into problems. When you lose Tariq Black to start the year at wide receiver, who I think would be a good player for them, now you got to find a way to generate some type of explosive plays. Is Donovan Peoples-Jones a explosive play receiver, or is he a possession receiver? I think I'm going with the latter on that. I think he's a good player, but I'm talking about a guy that's a freak show out there on the outside. They just don't have that. So monitoring them moving forward is going to be something uh, to watch, no doubt. You mentioned Notre Dame. They're still ranked eighth in the AP poll, so not a lot of— You're afforded a clunker. They won course, the game. It's not like they lost. They're still fine. Of course, but when we look at the schedule, you know how this works when we get to the college football playoff. Some guys are going to look at this game and say, well, what the heck happened against Ball State? You won the game, but it shouldn't have been this close. I mean, right? I mean, I really think that some—if I'm on the committee, I'm thinking that— Of course. Looking back, if they—I can't give them the benefit of the doubt if it comes to that and saying, well, who is Notre Dame? When I look back at week two, well, you played well against Michigan, and then you can't really blow the doors off Ball State. You should be able to do that. Yeah, and I just I look at Notre Dame, and I think that you know we get recency bias as we go into these college football playoff committee ranking shows and everything, where early in the season stuff can be forgotten about. Mm-hmm. You know, an early season loss. That's why Michigan State they're not dead by any means, but they have to go and they have to run the Big Ten if they want any sniff of getting into a college football playoff, right. and they need Arizona State to hold up their end of the bargain. But you go in and you lose a week one, week two, week three matchup against a non-conference opponent, you know, that's fine. Or yeah. you win barely. Look at what Clemson did. They lost to Syracuse, right? You know, Deshaun Watson, they lost to Syracuse. They got back. They ended up winning the national championship that year. And you're afforded a early season loss or an early season clunker but that just means that every single game that you go out and you perform, you have to walk that tightrope now right. of you cannot have six, seven, eight of these Can't games happen. where they're close wins against point. bad or inferior opponents. It, just not, it cannot happen. We tease some of the uh, big-time schools in the top five, or at least one of these teams in the top five. That would be Oklahoma is dealing with a big-time season-ending yeah, injury. Sucks. And that's to their running back, Rodney Anderson, who, look, we saw him last year really come onto the scene with Baker Mayfield and all those guys that they had on the Sooners' offense, which was absolutely rolling. But unfortunately for them, Beam, this is a guy that they were really expecting big-time things from. And they've got a running back, Trey Sermon, who played a little bit in the Ohio State game last year. He had a 10-yard touchdown pass in that game and ran for a team-high 62 yards against the Buckeyes. So we know all too well what Sermon can do, the backup. Here's the thing. I don't know if this is a death blow to what the Sooners want to accomplish because, Beam, I don't know if they're going to get a ton of pushback in the Big 12. When you look at their remaining schedule, they get at Iowa State this week. They face Army, Baylor, Texas. They play at TCU on October 20th. Now, who knows what TCU is going to look like after this Ohio State week. So then following that, you get Kansas State at Texas Tech at Oklahoma State, home against Kansas, and they finish the year at West V, which could be tough with Will Will Greer spinning the rock for the Mountaineers. But 
Beam, on a scale of 1 to 10, if you're a Sooner fan, how concerned are you about this? Because for me, I probably put it at about 4.5. Yeah, I mean, when, whenever you have your dynamite uh, big play guy that you're going to be missing for the rest of the season, and I know Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley do a great job of recruiting and getting guys in there, but to just to be able to see you know, what they're going to need to do going forward. Because, you know, Matt, it's the stigma around the Big 12 is that there's no defense there. None. And if you lose one of your big playmakers and that takes a touchdown per game off the board, you're going to get into one of these 55 to 48, 49-point shootouts. Right. And you can't afford to have one of your players go down for the season. I think they'll be fine. I think when you look at Oklahoma State, that's a high-powered offense. You sure. look at West Virginia, that's a totally high-powered offense what they would be able to do in the Big 12. But, yeah, it's a little bit concerning. I'd put it at about, you know, four, yeah. four or five, somewhere in that area. It's not a death blow by any means. Right. It's not like you're losing Kyler Murray. It's not like you're losing That's your quarterback. Yeah. But it puts that much more added stress on him to be able to go out and represent the Oklahoma, represent Oklahoma University sure. in the way that he needs to do it. But any time that you lose a playmaker like that, yeah, it's got to be cause for concern. But I'm sure they're feeling down there in uh, in Lincoln today. Not Lincoln. Where are they at? Why did I Lincoln, just Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska. Where Norman, at? Norman, Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, Norman. But their feeling today in Nor Norman, Oklahoma is that, well, you know, well, just next man up. Exactly. Because, because you're a top five college football program. Right. That's what you should be able to do. And you've got your trigger man who looks like he can hold the ship mm -hmm. down just like the way Baker Mayfield did. Now, will he win a Heisman? I don't know. But what you've seen from Kyler Murray the first two weeks is no doubt impressive. Some other running back news before we hit a break here. A Heisman hopeful Bryce Love, running back for Stanford, the ninth ranked team in the country, is going to be out for week three against UC Davis after suffering an undisclosed injury. Now, Beam, this is something that I think is kind of a big deal because of what we saw last year and he was very nicked up at the end of the year and he gutted the heck out of those games out to really put Stanford. My guy, I to, love him. He, he is a beast, right? And I'm just worried about his frame a little bit because he's a bit of a slight running back and it's funny because he reminds me a lot of Christian McCaffrey mm -hmm. who he followed um, leaving Stanford going to Carolina but being, he's going to miss week three they should have no troubles with UC Davis, but moving forward, I think it's something to monitor because he is a guy that they have to have, no doubt about it, because they play UC Davis, but the following week, Beam, they go to Oregon, and you know how that atmosphere can be a night game on ABC at They're 8 o'clock. Zoo. And then listen to this. The week after that, you go to Notre Dame. So All this right. game, no doubt, you sit them down, you get ready for the next two one, right? The big two guys. Yeah, no doubt. Bryce Love, to me, you know, is one of the most impressive running backs in college football. He can do everything. He can return kicks. He can return punts. He can catch it out of the backfield, line him up uh, really wherever you want on the field, and he's going to make plays. Uh, but the, the big concern to me isn't maybe this injury, Maddie. but when you look at running backs and you know that, you know, maybe w getting nicked up one time can cause you – down the road to maybe sustain a bigger injury and keep getting nicked up and nicked up and yep. nicked up and then before you know it you have a catastrophic injury right you cannot afford to lose him do whatever you need to do to get ready for that Notre Dame game in three weeks we see it all the time right where guys have one injury and they compensate for the other leg the other arm whatever it is look we're seeing it right now with a former Stanford guy in the NFL and Doug Baldwin sure. right he had the right knee injury I believe and now the yeah. other knee is injured right now he's going to miss a couple weeks for the Seattle Seahawks. So just want to let you know more about MyBookie. I would only recommend a service to my listener that's been good to me. MyBookie, definitely go check those guys out. That's why I've been urging you to make your way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. We'll take a quick break here. Uh, we'll play some J.K. Dobbins sounds, and we'll get out of here. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You are locked on Buckeyes. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. 
All right, well, J.K. Dobbins is going back to the crib. He's coming home. He's coming home this week. Texas guy mm-hmm. going back to Jerry's world. Got to be cool for him. He's got to be a big moment. You know he's going to want to step up. Here's his thoughts on going back to the, uh, to Texas. It's always fun going back to the home state. We played in, the, we played in Texas in the ball game. It was pretty fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's a lot of love right there. You know family and friends are going to be in the house. That's going to be well represented. Beyond, I want to get your reaction to this clip because here's his thoughts on sharing carries with 25 Mike Weber. I have a lot of confidence in them. You know, they're, those guys, are they do a great job, you know, and they, they take care of us. Quarterback, running backs, they, they block – they blocked very, very good. And that was actually labeled wrong, so let's try this one. I mean, the other cut in here was a confidence in his O-line, so maybe mm. that was that club. Let's try this, another clip from J.K. I have a lot of confidence in them. And that's the same clip. So whoever put that sound that's in, we got to get that cleaned up. But either way, he's talking about his offensive line, who we've been alluding to, has played really, yeah, really well. Yeah, took him out to a, a nice hibachi dinner. I did see that. How about that? I did see that. Now, look, I'm all in on the hibachi. you got to go double yum-yum, I think, right? Mm, you got to go double. I love the yum-yum. What do you do with the ginger? Where are you at with that? Just like the uh, the little pickled ginger that well, they the have ginger, there? You know you can get the ginger on the salad. I do the ginger on the salad. See, I like the ginger dressing that they do that, on exactly, the salad. That's what I'm talking about. Give me that. All Give me day. all that you got. All day long. I'll take that. Then I'll go double fried rice, steak, and chicken. And mm-hmm. I need like two or three yum-yums to go. But anyway, back to the old line. They've been phenomenal. Um, this is something that I really expect them to be jacked up for this game being because they're going to want to block for their guy, J.K., who they know is returning home. And also, they know this is their first big test, and people are going to be waiting to see, can this O-line move around a defensive front that has better guys in Oregon State and Rutgers? Yeah, exactly. And uh, you look at J.K. Dobbins and split carries. I believe he's got somewhere in the vicinity of 165 yards this year. Uh, touchdown for him that he scored against Rutgers. This is a guy, Maddie, who when you unleash him and you get him into the game plan – can really damage a defense. Right. And, you know, when you, you look at Ohio State and what they've done the first two weeks, what Dwayne Haskins has been able to do through the air, I think that it's just a matter of time before you get a running back game, which goes absolutely wild. No I doubt. think this weekend may be a prime example like that. You know, TCU plays a little four-two-five set. They almost have five uh, defenders in the secondary right. every single time. You Tough. got a little you got a linebacker hybrid. And if you start pushing the pushing the ball down the field early, and you start creating those running lanes for Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins Oof. and that crew. Oof. I mean, this could be prime time, just ground and pound all day the for big, Ohio State. No doubt. And the big thing with that four-two-five is being getting those offensive linemen to the second level because yeah. the math works out in your favor. If you can get past the four, get to the two. Be put, athletic. Gotta exactly. Get out there. Put you put a hat on one of those offensive linemen. It'll definitely get those guys in open space, and you can you would hope J.K. or Mike will be able to make one of their defenders miss. We got a couple minutes here. I want to hear from Jeffrey Okuda, corner young cornerback for Ohio State. Here's his impressions on the TCU offense. I think when you look at the offense, you kind of it's really comparable to a lot of the big club offenses as far as spreading the ball around the field. Uh, not really one receiver that they go to, but an array of receivers. So, I mean, I mean, everyone across the board on defense has to be ready to do their job. Tackling in space. It's right? going to be big. You heard him talk about spreading everybody out. They're going to try to – we talked about it yesterday. Quick screens, quick slants. Get the guy to the ground right away. That's going to be my key thing all week for this Ohio, the secondary for sure, because they are not going to let this defensive line hunt. So tackling in space is monster, paramount for the Buckeyes this week. Yeah, when you look at what Ohio State is on offense as well, and they've got a lot of the guys, and they can replicate what TCU does during practice. Right, you got a lot of guys yep. who are elite athletes who can make you look like idiots in open space if you don't break down on them. And so my guess is that over at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, what they're doing right now is they're running a lot of one-on-ones, 
and Great they point. are running a lot of plays because Ohio State kind of has the same offense where there's not one man who can beat you, but yep. there's six, and you can rotate them right. in and you can keep them fresh. But the thing that I would be worried about is TCU is such a fast team. They have some of the fastest athletes in college football. So you're right, breaking down on the edges, making sure that Nick Bosa and Chase Young set their edges. Yes. You don't let the quarterback Get flush outside. out of the pocket. Yep. You don't give people open room and space. You need to key on their athletic players at all times that you're right 100% is going to be the key to the game for the Buckeyes. I agree last cut here before we get out of here TCU uh, quarterback Sean Robinson I believe he played against Jeffrey Okuda they played in the same conference there's a relationship there so he knows him well here's his thoughts on the TCU quarterback Sean's one of my uh, good friends uh, went to Minnesota high school we played him you know football uh, I think he's a really elusive runner uh, he has a good arm he can throw the ball down the field and uh I'm really excited to get a chance to talk some noise to him on the field. So talk I love that, that noise. You got to talk that noise. So the outside linebackers, the guys on the outside, uh, Baron Browning, uh, Malik me, Harrison, Malik Harrison, yep. all of those guys. I want to say Malik Hooker because I love him so much. But oh, Malik yeah. Harrison, love that guy. those guys getting outside beam after you know Nick Young, uh, Nick Posa, and Chase Young set the edge. That's going to be big. So those outside linebackers getting him down in space is all going to be paramount for the Buckeyes. Beam, you got any thoughts before we get out of here today? No, man. It's a uh, nice little Wednesday. It's uh it's a good night to uh maybe watch something on Netflix Binge or something, something. you got DVR yes. because yeah. there's no sports today. Nope. Uh, I mean you got baseball obviously that's sure. going on. The Reds are out of the yeah, division. We're, maybe we're they done. can hand the Dodgers another loss which would be fantastic. But great. yeah, you know, binge something tonight. Maybe Go get for a, that. Do Ozark. If I'm suggesting mm. anything for everybody get Jason on Ozark. Bateman's fantastic. And Wendy Bird, his wife on the show is mm. pretty darn good as well. All right, we'll be back tomorrow knocking out another episode of the Lockdown Buckeyes podcast. Matt Hayes, Brandon Beam from 97.1 the Fan here in Columbus, Ohio. Thanks for listening.